0: Hallelujah. How many know we've been studying on discipleship now for quite a while? We want to go to Matthew chapter 7. We've been studying what Jesus taught His disciples on the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew chapter 7. And we're going to be going back to a little bit of what we studied last week as we get into this new area here in Matthew chapter 7. I want to read out the Living Translation. I want to start with verse 7 once again. Matthew chapter 7, verse 7. It says, uh, keep on asking. Everybody say asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking. Say seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking. Say knocking and the door will be open. Somebody shout open. open. Hallelujah. Opened to you for everyone who asks receives everyone and everyone who seeks finds and to everyone who knocks the door will be open. It talks about you children. By the loaf of bread and asking for a fish, will you give him a steak? There's no confusion what you ask for. God knows what you need. And it says the Father gives, Heavenly Father gives good gifts to those who ask Him. And verse 12, something that everyone knows real well, we're taught as a child. Do unto others whatever you would like them to do to you. This is the essence of all that is taught in the law and the prophets. And, you know, we're going to look at another scripture there in Matthew, another chapter. And it talks the same thing about everything that you can find from the Old Testament and everything that's coming alive in the New Testament. This is the foundation of which you find all of this on. And it's amazing that we find this scripture about the golden, the golden rule. And some of the things I found about the golden rule is this. Practicing, listen to this, practicing the golden rule is not a sacrifice. It's an investment. It's an investment. The golden rule is what we want everybody else to practice. Isn't that true? Do unto others as though you were the others. People who live by the golden rule today never have to apologize for their actions tomorrow. The golden rule is of little value unless you realize you must make the first move. The golden rule of friendship is to listen to others as you would have them listen to you. And this is good. Lie about others as you would like them to lie about you. So how many of you know whatever we sow, we reap? But what I want to share with you about is that it says, whatever you do to others, whichever you would have them do to you, you do to them. And we were talking about prayer. And I want you to look at something with me because it caught my attention. Look with me in Job chapter 23 because it talked about the prophets. And uh, Job was considered a prophet. Of course, you go back to Enoch who walked with God, who sought God. And I shared with you last week, you know, we're real good about knowing how to ask God for things. But are we just as good and are we learning? And do we spend the time seeking and knocking so that it will be open? We're real good. We ask and then we just wait for God to do it. But we don't do the seeking that we need to do. And I believe that this is something that we can find here in Job. And I believe it's going to bring all this together that we're seeing right now. in these few verses in Matthew chapter 7. Job chapter 23 verse 1 it says, this is the living Bible. Then Job spoke again my complaint today is still a bitter one and i try hard not to groan aloud if only i knew where to find god if only i knew where to find god how I mean, you know job had already been praying and now he's saying if i could find him you see he's seeking he's seeking god if only i knew where to find god i would go to his court I would lay out my case. I would present my arguments. Then I would listen to his reply to understand what he says to me. Would he use his great power to argue with me? No, he would give me a fair hearing. Honest people can reason with him. So I would be forever acquitted by my judge. Look at verse 8 now. I go east, but he's not there. I go west, but I cannot find him. I do not see him in the north, for he is hidden. I look to the south, but he is concealed. But he knows where I am going, and when he tests me, I will come out as pure as gold. For I have stayed on God's God's paths. You see, he kept seeking God. I have followed his ways and not turned aside. And it goes on to say uh, about wondering about his presence and so forth and so on. And it talks about in chapter chapter 24, it says, Why doesn't the Almighty bring the wicked to judgment? Why must the godly wait? Wait for Him in vain. Now look with me quickly at chapter 38. Job chapter 38. Here He is, He's seeking God. Have you ever wondered, why, why isn't my prayers being answered? Why am I not seeing more of my prayers being answered? And we saw that He says to everyone who asks, but then he goes into seeking, he goes into knocking, he talks about being opened. Job is saying here, where is God? I can't find God. He's concealed and it ends there in that chapter talking about, it seems like it's pitch dark around me and I'm trying to find God. Now look at chapter 38, verse 1. I love the message translation, listen to what it says. And now finally God answered Job from the eye of the violent storm and he said, Why do you confuse the issue? Why do you talk about knowing what you're talking about? Pull yourself together, Job. Up on your feet and stand tall. For I have some questions for you and I want some straight answers. Tell me since you know so much. You know, I I want to show you something else. Look with me in chapter 40. Chapter 40, verse 1. Then God confronted Job directly. Now what do you have to say for yourself? Are you going to haul me, the almighty one, into court and press charges? I am ready to shut up and listen, Job answered. I'm speechless in all Words fail me. I should never have opened my mouth. I have talked too much, way too much. I'm ready to shut up and listen. And then God says, I want straight answers. I have some more questions for you and I want some straight answers. Now look with me in chapter 42. Verse 10 says, When Job prayed for his friends, the Lord restored his fortunes. In fact, the Lord gave him twice as much as before. So the Lord blessed Job in the second half of his life more than in the beginning. And Job lived, it says in verse 16, Job lived 140 years after that, living to see four generations of his children and grandchildren. Then he died, an old man who had lived a long, full life. It says in the King James Bible that Job prepared his arguments. And I want you to take a note because I was talking to you last week as we've been studying the discipleship, asking and seeking and knocking. And, you know, so many times we pray and we pray, but he says, wait a minute, I want you to prepare. And it says in Isaiah chapter 41, present your case before me. How many of you know you do not want a lawyer who says, I'll take the case. Well, don't you want to know what it's about? No, we'll just wing it. Pay me $150 an hour or whatever you pay me. Just pay me whatever you can and I'll just wing it. How many want a lawyer like that? Well, we go to God with about as much knowledge about what we're going to present in His throne room. Come on. And we wonder why. And I'm asking, but why are you not giving? He says, present your arguments. You know what that word in the Hebrew argument means? Something so special, you take the time to prepare it to be perfect before you prepare it, before you put it before God. Before I go before you and I present my arguments, before I present my case, before I present what I'm getting ready to ask you for, I want, to, I want you to understand here, it means arguments known through seeking shows the importance, the importance, listen to this, the importance of what we're about to ask for. Lord, will you heal me? How important is your healing to you? Well, you know, I'm I'm sick. I want you to heal me. Okay, well, give me five scriptures on divine healing. Well, I don't know them. Well, are you willing to put enough emphasis on seeking it so that you can present it? Or do you just want to get before me and wing it? Present your arguments before me. Or in other words, how important is this for you? You can go read in Genesis chapter 18. How many know the story of Abraham pleading for Sodom and Gomorrah? Let's look at it, Genesis chapter 18, because I want you to see here. We wonder sometimes, why isn't some of the prayers being answered? What is going on? But he said, I want you, I want you to prepare. I want you to seek. If you can seek me, as good as you know to ask of me, if you can knock like you know how to ask of me, it'll be open to you. Look at Genesis chapter 18. It says in verse 23, and Abraham came near and said, Would you also destroy the righteous with the wicked? Suppose there were 50 righteous within the city. Would you also destroy the place and not spare it for the 50 righteous that were in it? Far be it from you to do such a thing as this, to slay the righteous with the wicked, so that the righteous should be as the wicked. Far be it from you. Shall not the judge of the earth do right? Do you hear God, do you hear Abraham presenting the Lord, his case? He's saying, Will you do this? So the Lord said, Oh, if I find in Sodom 50 righteous within the city, then I will spare all the place for their sakes. Then Abraham answered and said, Indeed, now I, listen how he says this, I who am but dust and ashes have taken it upon myself to speak to the Lord. Let that sink in. Let that sink in. I, who am but dust and ashes, have taken it upon myself to speak to the Lord. C- can you help me just a minute? I-, I want you to see this. Let's pretend. here, Shane's the Lord. And, and, and Shane says, and, and the Lord says, Abraham, I'm going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. So Abraham grabs the left arm of God and says, for 50, will you keep it? And the Lord pulls away and says, for 50, I'll keep it. Then Abraham says, wait, Lord, I'm just dust and ashes, but for 45, will you keep it? And he pulls on the right hand of God, which means a mercy. He presented his case before the Lord, and the Lord said, okay, but guess what? He's not through knocking. He goes on to say, He said, if I find forty-five, I will not destroy it. Then he spoke to him yet again and said, suppose there should be forty found there. He said, I will not for the sake of forty. Then he said, oh, let not the Lord be angry. I will speak, suppose thirty be found there. And he said, Indeed, now I have taken upon myself to speak to the Lord. Suppose 20 should be found there. And he said, I will not destroy it for the sake of 20. Then he said, Let not the Lord be angry. I will speak once more. Suppose 10 be found there. And he said, I will not destroy it for the sake of 10. So the Lord went his way when Abraham had finished. Do you see? Do you see the emphasis? I'm going to present my case before the, before the Lord. But how much is that case ringing in my heart? He's he's saying, I'm willing for you to destroy me because I am praying on behalf of that city where my brother is. He kept asking and asking and asking, but yet he kept seeking and he kept knocking and it was open to him. You know, the, the Bible talks about Abraham. When God spoke to Abraham, Abraham said he asked for a son. So the Lord says, "Okay, I'll give you a son. But then it's like we started seeing about seeking. It's in the seeking and it's in the knocking that we start getting to those places with God that in the seeking, God says, now that I gave you a son, I want you to sacrifice. him." It's in those places of seeking that we start getting to a place with God where God starts saying, "Okay, I gave you what you asked for, but now this is what I'm asking for you. And all of this, I'm sharing all this, trying to get to a point here, that the reason He wants us to see the importance of asking and seeking so it will be opened is because He says, Do unto others as you would have them do to you. Or in other words, as you would have me do for you, you be willing to do for others. What you... You... Get when you can get into my position, as it is in heaven, so shall I be on earth. When you are willing to answer, be an be an answer to someone's prayer. I will be an answer to your prayers. Now let's go back to Job. Job was asking God to heal him and deliver him. Job was saying, "Where is God? Here comes his friends with a bunch of a uh, uh, of uh, counsel." Job didn't need counsel. Job needed prayer. What changed Job's circumstances? When he prayed for his friends, when he started seeking God, not for himself, listen to me, church, when he stopped seeking God for his answers and he started seeking God for his friends, his situation turned totally around and he received double what he had lost and he lived a long, satisfied life. Do unto others. You know what? Job didn't need counsel. Job needed prayer. And so Job came to the point where God says, Oh, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. So if you need prayer, instead of counseling people, you need to be praying for people. if you start praying for your friends, then I'll have what you do to them, they'll start doing to you. How many of you ever say, Well, I wish more people prayed for me. Well, how many people do you pray for? Do you see how this is just coming all the way around? Listen to this. You know, right now, for Christmas, everybody remembers when you were a kid. and You know, I had a little brother. And I never helped him write his Santa Claus letter. I didn't care about his Santa Claus letter. All I cared about was my Santa Claus letter. But can you imagine this? When we want to do for others and them to do for us, when I want something for me, how much thinking do I put into my needs? How much time do I sit down considering how much do I want? How do I want it? And here's the question. Do I put that same amount of energy and time and investigation and, and emphasis on someone else's needs as I do on my own? You know, when I want something, I'm going to sit down or I'm going to make a list. For example, uh, our sis here had a party for her mama yesterday, and she made all kind of plans and talked to her brother, and her brother sent some money, and then she got some old friends from her mother from the Methodist background, and they decided we was going to sing some hymns, and they got some other friends together. A lot of detail went into that. When we want to do something, we put a lot of detail into what we want to do. But do we ever sit down and put that much detail into someone else's life? It's something to think about. There's there's the law of sowing and reaping. What you sow, you reap. But it says, do unto others as you would have them do to you. How much emphasis are we putting on what others need? How much detail? And so there we go into the area of prayer or we get into the area of intercession. Instead of saying, Father, I just ask you to bless, bless Brother Jim. Lord, just bless him today. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. But yet I've been praying 30 minutes. Now, Father, I just need you to give me peace. And I just need you to forgive me my sins. And I need you just to fill my heart with joy. And so I'm praying all this for him, but when, for me. But when I come to him, I just say, Lord, just bless my brother today and bless his wife and bless his family. And the Lord says, Oh, do unto others as you would have them to do unto you. Do you just want him to say, Bless Pastor"? today in Jesus' name? Bless his wife and bless his family. Or do you want them to say, Father, whatever pastor's financial needs may be, whatever area of peace or joy, Lord, any area of healing in his body, I just ask you, Father, right now. And he didn't even start off praying about himself. He started off praying for me. And then he started praying for for Sister Bonnie. Oh, Lord, bless Sister Bonnie. Oh, God, Sister Bonnie needs grace and strength today. And, Lord, things have happened and she needs encouragement. So, Lord, I just pray for encouragement. And he needs encouragement, but he He's just spending time on praying detailed prayers for her. And God is saying, wait a minute. I'm hearing myself in my son. And by him seeking and asking and knocking for her, son, the door's already opened over you. When you ask me what you want, it's on its way. Do you see that? Do unto others, pray for others, intercede for others, help others as you would have people do unto you. Amen. Now, I know you say, well, this is simple, but, you know, this, I believe we got to go deeper in some of this stuff. And do you know what the biggest need that people, do you know what people need to see? How many of you know the biggest thing we can show people is love? Do unto others. As you would have them do unto you. There's nothing greater than love. John 3.16, God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son. Ephesians 5.25, Husbands, love your wife just as, just as Christ. Also loved the church and gave himself for it. Galatians two twenty. My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Who loved me and gave himself for me. It's that boundary of knowing and going beyond those boundaries of loving others. His great divine love. Look at First John chapter three. First John chapter three verse sixteen. First John chapter three verse sixteen. We know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. So we also ought to give up our lives for brothers and sisters. If someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? Dear children, let's not merely say that we love each other, let us show the truth by our actions. Our actions will show that we belong to the truth, so we will be covenant when we stand before God. Mm. Amen? The amazing love. Mark, Matthew 6.14 says, For if you forgive another man their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. How many know Jesus didn't speak only about love, but he also showed love when he said, Son, your sins be forgiven you. How about the little lady who came up to Jesus and said, My daughter's demon possessed. Will you pray for her? he didn't even answer her a word. But what did she do? She kept knocking. She kept seeking. Lord, my daughter, he says, the, the, you know, not even worthy of the crumbs under the table. She says, Yes. But yet I still desire that. And Jesus says, Okay, go home. Your daughter's delivered. Your daughter's healed. She kept seeking. She kept knocking. All true love gives and forgives, even as Jesus revealed that to us. Amen. There was a story about during the Korean War, a young communist officer ordered the execution of a Christian civilian. When he learned that his prisoner was in charge of an orphanage and was doing much good in caring for small children, he decided to spare the life of this Korean Christian but kill his own 19-year-old son instead. Later, when the tide of events changed, the same officer was captured, tried, and condemned to death for war crimes. Before the sentence could be carried out, however, the Christian father pleaded for the life of the communist who had killed his son. He said that if justice were to be followed, this man would be executed. But since he was so young and blindly idealistic, he probably thought his actions were right. Give him to me, said the Christian, and I'll teach him about the Savior. The request was granted, and the father took the murderer of his son into his own home. That remarkable demonstration of self sacrificing love bore fruit to the communist who became a Christian pastor. Do unto others what you would have them do unto you. Here's an example. You know, Sunday I was talking about depression, somebody asked this question to a doctor, What can one do when one feels somewhat depressed? I'm aware that constant depression can be complicated and may require psychiatric help. But if someone is just feeling low or has the blues, what would help? What would help if you just feel depressed and down? This is what he says. Choose a friend who at the moment is in a greater emotional need than you. Dedicate yourself to her for the day. Even though in your mood it may take considerable effort, try to cheer her up. Take her out on the town for the day. Spend time with her exclusively for her. Use your total energy, however depleted you may feel, for her welfare and make her feel better. This bit of mental hygiene can be quite effective in treating a simple case of the blues. Wow. How many of have ever been down and you said, hey, come on, I want to take you to the spa? Hey, I want to take you shopping. Hey, I want to take you out to eat. And instead of getting there, you say, you know what, today, I'm ta- I'm, Jim, I'm going to take you out. And I've been crying all night, but I'm not even going to tell you that I've been crying and I'm hurting. I'm going to, I'm going to listen to your problems. And I'm going to give do to you what I desire others do to me. Amen, church. I mean, we just read in 1 John 3, 16, 17, and 18. They have to see the actions more than the words. Amen. Somebody said, you've got to, Lester Summerall always said, if I'm down, I'll go to the hospital. I'll go find somebody who feels worse than I do. I'll go pray for people. And I end up encouraging myself. How many of you know, listen, it's time to stop giving in to the blues and start giving in to the joy of the Lord, which is our strength. But in that is not just claiming it. We've got to do to others what we would have them do to us. You ever heard people say, you know what? You hear somebody say, man, I don't know what we're going to do with all the Christmas cards this year. Well, I sure wish I'd get a lot of Christmas cards. Well, here's a question for you. How many Christian car- Christmas cards have you sent over the year? Well, you know, I'm not into that. Then don't whine about not getting any. Because you do unto others. You know, somebody brings some cookies. Oh, wish somebody bring me some cookies? Well, how many people have you given cookies to? Isn't that a thought? Do unto others what you would have them do to you. What are we supposed to do to them? Well, I'll give you an example. Look with me, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Do unto others what you would have them do to you. Well, you know what? Nobody treats me right. You know what? Nobody loves me. Nobody respects me. You know what? People are not patient with me. Why aren't people patient with me? Why do I go to the grocery store and always get behind the same arrogant, mean people? What is wrong with my life? Why do I always seem why do I always end up sitting next to the table of somebody who's going to complain? Why is my life like this? First Corinthians thirteen, verse four. This is the message translation. So no matter what I say, what I believe, what I do. I'm bankrupt without love. Love never gives up. Why do people give up on me? How many people have you given up on? Love cares more for others than for itself. Love doesn't want what it doesn't have. Love doesn't strut, doesn't have a swelled head, doesn't force itself on others. Is it always me first? Does it fly off the handle? Does it keep score of the sins of others? Does it revel when others grovel? Takes pleasure in the, thought, the uh, flowering of truth? Puts up with anything? Trust God's always. Always looks for the best. Never looks back, but keeps going to the end. Love never dies. Why don't people tell me they love me? How many people are you telling you love them? You see, I can't say that word. Okay, well, you know what? You start off with you tell them. Like I hear it a lot, so let me just tell you a trick that goes around. I appreciate you. How many can say I appreciate you? Everybody can say. You may not better call on the phone and tell somebody. You know, I love you. You may not better say that yet, but how many can say I appreciate you? We'll start off with saying I appreciate you. Tell people you work with, I appreciate you. You know, they don't treat me right at work. Well, do unto others what you would have them to do unto you. Read 1 Corinthians 13 and start sowing it into the lives of others. Amen. Amen, Amen church. Amen. Y'all are excited about this, aren't you? <laughs> Somebody said, it is our care for the helpless, our practice of loving kindness that brands us in the eyes of many of our opponents. Look, they say. How they love one another. Look how they prepared to die for one another. Listen to this. After the USS Pueblo was captured by the North Koreans, the 82 survivor crew members were thrown into the brutal captivity. In one particular instance, he would put 13 men around a table. The Korean guard would walk in and the first person sitting in the chair, he would beat him to unconscious with his rifle, then leave. The next day he'd come back and the the man was there again. He'd beat him with his rifle. Well, the soldiers caught on and they said, you know what we're going to do? We're going to exchange places with them. And every day somebody's going to take that chair because it's always that person in that chair who gets beat in the head. And this person's going to die if we don't start taking this place. This is a true story. So the, they started changing places and somebody knew would get beat the next day and then the next day, then the next day. And they went around until finally the Korean soldiers got tired of, of beating and quit beating them. And they all survived. Why? Because they stood up for one another, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. They were unable to beat sacrificial love. Amen. For John 3.18 says, Dear children, let us not merely say that we love each other. Let us show the truth by our actions. John 14.15 says, If you love me, keep my commandments. John 21.15, 16, and 17. Listen to this. Everybody knows Jesus asked Peter, Peter, do you love me? How many times did he ask him? Three times. What was he saying? Feed my lambs, feed my sheep. What's he saying? I want you to feed I want you to express, I want you to reveal, and I want you to uh, show my love to the brand-new Christians as well as to the older Christians. To the hardest person, to the easiest person. I want you to express my love, reproduce it, and reveal it to them. Once again, therefore, whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them, for in this the law and the prophets are revealed. How many of you know? Listen to this. Judaism says, what is hateful to you, do not to your fellow man. Islam says, no one of you is a believer until he desires for his brother that which he desires for himself. Hinduism says, this is the sum of duty. Do not unto others which others, which could cause you pain if done to you. And Buddhism says, Hurt not others in ways that you yourself would find hurtful. A Hebrew master said, Do not do to thy neighbor what is hateful to thyself. Socrates said, What stirs your anger when done to you by others, that do not do to others. Another philosopher said, We should bear ourselves toward others as we would that they should bear themselves to us. Confucius said, What you do not want done to yourself, do not do to others. These sayings of men are all negative and passive. Christ's commandments is positive and active. James 2 8 says that love is the royal law, our purpose and his requirements. Romans 5 5 says the love of God has been poured out into our hearts by the Holy Ghost. Isn't it something that in Matthew chapter 7, it, it, we read there that. He will give the Holy Spirit to those who ask. Now, all those in the Old Testament, they wanted to love unconditionally, but they couldn't. How many of know David got as close to God as any man could, but yet how many know how David talked about his enemies? He wanted them all dead. It wasn't until the Holy Spirit, you receive power of the Holy Spirit comes upon you, that He will give you the power and the grace to better look in the eye and as Jesus was able to say, Father, forgive them in the face of his tormentors, it's by the power of the Holy Ghost that we can love even those who do not love us back and we can do unto those who do not do to us we can do it to others whether they're going to do it back or not because God will reward, even with Job, the double if we will just continue to do it. Zechariah 4 6 says, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit. Amen. Hallelujah. Somebody once said, a living and loving Christian is the most unanswerable argument for Christianity. How many of you know what you hear on the news and what's going on now? If they are questioning anything, they're questioning everything. And how many of one thing they cannot question in the end times is the love of believers. And that's what God wants us to uh, show. Kate Wilkerson said, May the love of Jesus fill me as the waters fill the sea. Him exalting, self-abasing, this is victory. Let's stand and we're going to pray tonight. And I'm going to ask the Lord to show you somebody that he may have you do something for them. And there's a special prayer need I wanted to pray before we left tonight. How many of you know Brother John Hagee from San Antonio, a great man of God? Well, his his wife has got news about breast cancer and, and they're doing surgery on her. And... That man of God has stood up for Israel. He has stood up for truth. And it seems like the enemy is attacking a lot of different uh, leaders that we need to stand for. So I want us to just come before that. I just got the news here this afternoon. And and I want us to believe, God, that God is going to touch Sister Hagee and heal her in the name of Jesus. Amen. Will you agree with me? You know, that uh, great revivalist from the Brownsville revival, Steve Hill, He's he's got the he's got cancer all throughout his body and he still is going to try to come and preach for the uh, Louisiana outpouring in January. But he's going through chemo driving from Dallas to Houston three times a week. And there's just an attack upon these people. And, you know, we hear things and like me as a minister. I can hear that other ministers are going through things and I can just hold it in my heart. But how many of you know what I'm about to do for others is going to be done for me? If there comes a day, you know what? I believe in sowing and seed. And if there comes a day I need prayer, I just don't want preachers to hear about it and keep it to themselves. I would want them to say, congregation, we need to pray for Brother Russell and Sister Sandy." You see what we're getting ready to do? And so you are joining in a, a prayer of the body for this dear sister and what you are doing for others, they are going to do for you. Amen. So let's go to prayer.